Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for each one here tonight. We ask you to bless our time together. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Teach us from your word. Encourage us in our service for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Take your outlines and your Bibles if you would. And uh, on the back, uh, you should have a diagram, and I, I do apologize, it is the same old diagram that I've had for a long time, and uh, we will, I, I would tell you I'm working on something else, but right now we're just trying to uh, keep uh heads above water here with everything that is going on with the different churches right now. And uh, um, Brother Jason, I I do need to see you after the service. Uh, We need to get a check signed for the building insurance for Union. We finally got that taken care of, praise the Lord. And so we are moving in the right direction on almost all fronts, but uh, just quite a few different fronts right now. And uh, so this is our fourth lesson in the tabernacle. Again, we're doing this different than uh, we have in, in the past. Our, our first lesson and the overall theme of the tabernacle is how to approach God. How God wants us to worship Him, to come to Him. Uh, there are so many just... Uh, uh, I don't even know what to say. Uh, just crazy ideas of what worship is. And so many of them is like, well, we, we just do this and, and, and God will take the best that we can. Uh, let me ask you a question. When has God ever been satisfied with the best that man can? Let's go back to the story of Cain and Abel. God was not satisfied with the best that Cain could do. God rejected that offering. The only thing he would accept was the blood of the innocent. And, of course, everything in the tabernacle itself, as we went through lesson two, pictures God. Lesson three was about man. Because we have a part in that. And then tonight, what I want us to deal with is the priesthood. Uh, Without the priesthood, without the priest operating and and performing the ceremony, the tabernacle, later the temple, would would have simply been uh, an empty tent, an empty house. No people there. The activity God expected the children of Israel, to carry on the service of the tabernacle. This was a busy place. If uh, you remember the camping of the children of Israel in the wilderness, 40 years as they went around Mount Horeb and made a circle in the uh, Sinai Peninsula, and then finally uh, they headed east and up the east side of the Jordan River and across into Jericho to occupy the land. The tabernacle traveled with them. Roughly between two and three million people arranged in camps uh, by their families. We have the 
Our Bible often mentions the mixed multitude. And, of course, the Egyptian side of the family would live with the Israel side of the family and whatever one of the tribes that they were with. And some something just to think about, it's an amazing thing, 430 years in the land of Egypt, and every Israelite could trace their heritage back to distinctively one of the sons of Jacob. They had 12 distinct tribes, literally 13. Joseph got counted twice, uh, Ephraim and Manassas. And the, the, the tribes camped on all four sides of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was in the center, and around the tabernacle were the Levites. And when the trumpets would sound, the north camp would begin to pack up and they would move. The tabernacle would begin to be taken down. Then the uh, east camp would go. Then the tabernacle would go. And then the other two tribes, the tabernacle traveled in the midst of Israel 40 years. It's an amazing feat. God was trying to teach the children of Israel how to... Obey how to do the simple things. You know, the hardest things in life are often not the most difficult things we do. It's the daily part where we get messed up. Now, isn't it? I mean, if, if we called for a, and we have, a day of fasting and prayer to deal with some very uh, specific event, I will tell you, I can, I can depend on every member of this church that is physically able to be praying and fasting, and, and, and I, we, we have done that in the past. But, but you can't operate every day like that. And the real living is not in the emergencies or in the crises. It's in the daily part. And you see, the priest always had things to do concerning the tabernacle. This is why Jesus said, take up your cross how often? Daily. He said, I want you to come follow me. And so, as we look at the priesthood here, and then we're going to try to get some application in, as to how that applies to you and I today, we're going to start here in the book of Numbers, chapter 3 and verse 12. And uh, this is the Lord speaking, verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, verse 12, And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel, instead of all the firstborn, and openeth the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine. And God goes on to explain that in the day of the first Passover in the land of Egypt, where the Lord, the angel of the Lord, went through the land and killed all the firstborn in Egypt, God said, I've hallowed the firstborn to be mine. Um, and, and people had said, well, God's original plan, well, uh, let, me, let me help you with that. God's original plan in the Garden of Eden was that Adam and Eve would never sin. But before the worlds began, 
Jesus had already been crucified. Our plan of, uh, of salvation had already been detailed by God. It says that he was crucified before the foundation of the world. Not physically, of course. Things had to happen in time. But God is not bound by time like you and I are. And so, we can say this and that, but the working plan was the priesthood. And that priesthood was part of the tribe of Levite. Because not all that went in in the tabernacle was the job of the priest. Uh, The tabernacle had to be packed up every time Israel moved. Whether they stood there for a day, a month, a year... Whenever the tabernacle moved, the the Levites had to pack it up. And part of them had carts to carry the curtains and the uh, the boards and the the building part of it. But the, the sons of Korah, they had to carry the individual articles of furniture on their shoulders. There would be four of them that carried the Ark of the Covenant and four of them that carried the a golden altar of incense, and four of them for the table of showbread, two of them for the candlestick, uh, another two for the laver, and another four for the uh, brazen altar. And, and they would carry this. And as the children of Israel marched through the desert, so did every item. And by the way, the fire was still burning on the brazen altar as they marched. It was never to go out. And so, how they did that uh, is up for conjecture, but you can take a fire and bank it in the ashes, cover the coals, and they will keep hot for hours and hours and hours. Uh, And a fire can be rekindled from the original fire with very little effort at all. But the Levites were taken out of the tribe of Israel, if you read in Exodus 27, Aaron and his sons were to order the tabernacle. They were the priest. If you were going to be a priest, you had to be a direct descendant of Aaron. By the way, Caiaphas, in the days of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, nearly 2,000 years ago, roughly... uh, 1,600 years after the tabernacle was built, could trace his direct lineage right back to Aaron. I'll tell you that, that's pretty amazing, is it not? And that's why the children of Israel knew that he was the high priest. Ananias and, and uh, Caiaphas were the high priest, and, and uh, this was talking about the different sons of uh, Eli and, and their descendants after them. And it keeps going on. But uh, we, we uh, uh, I'm sorry, sons of Aaron, not of Eli. Hophni, uh, you had uh, Phinehas, the son of Aaron, and Eleazar, the son of Aaron. And they, the priests followed in that direct line from them. Everyone that violated this law died. How many of you remember the story? We, we've covered it uh, eight times. We're getting ready to cover it the ninth time in our Through the Bible time on Sunday morning. The Dathan and Abiram and the sons of Korah. There were 250 sons of Korah. 
These were the ones that carried the tabernacle on their shoulders, the articles of furniture. And, and in, uh, uh, here it is in uh, Numbers chapter 16 and verse 10. The sons of Korah had come to Moses and rebelled against him. And Moses said, do you seek the priest? Isn't it enough for you that God has put you in the tribe of Levi? Do you have to be a priest also? How many know what happened? 250 men died. Fire came out from before the Lord. You know how that worked? The Ark of the Covenant was in the most holy place. And that fire came out through the veil, through the door of the tabernacle, out of the courtyard into the place where these 250 men were standing and scorched every one of them to death in an instant. God wasn't playing games when he chose the priesthood. How many of you remember the story of King Uzziah? He was a good king that followed the Lord with all his heart, except he tried to offer incense on the golden altar in the temple. How many of you remember what happened? He comes in with the censer. And the priests are there to withstand him. And he, he goes forward and it says the leprosy sprang out in his forehead even as he was in the temple. And he hasted to uh, go out and he lived the last 16 years of his life as the king of Israel in a leper colony. Because he tried to violate God's law. You know, today, if I can just throw in a little application, we got a lot of people that, oh, we're all God's children. No, we are not. Well, God listens to everyone's prayers. Well, how can He not listen to everyone's prayers? He's God. But He's under no obligation to answer or actually hear those prayers, pay attention to them, except for those that are His children. And there's only one way to be one of God's child, children. You've got to be born into his family. Amen? And by the way, God also purchased you, did he not? He redeemed you with the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, he adopted you too. Every way you can get into a family, God took care of it. Because He wants us to understand that there is a relationship here. God wants to have fellowship with us. But God is not going to allow you and I to violate His holiness. You know, we have Father's Day coming up and there's... An awful lot to be said. I I do not know that Brother Sam will preach on a father will preach a Father's Day message. In fact, I rather expect him not to, uh, as he uh, stays away from themes and things and just preaches the Bible like no one else can. And, and I, I'm looking forward to that time. But even in a real home, I mean, the office of father has been lost for practical purposes. Uh, I often call Father's Day Missing Persons Day in New York City because uh, it is one of the offices that has been vacated. Uh, 
uh, and nor should it, uh, it shouldn't be. Men, if you attain to anything, if you have a wife, if you have children, be a father. It's more important than being president. It's more important than paying all your bills. It is the only job that guarantees that our next generation is going to survive. Uh, I was at a preacher's fellowship in uh, the Albany area on Tuesday, and Brother Dan Smith, most of you know him or know of him. And I said, what do you think about this? I said, did you ever think that we would live in an America where we would be glad Donald Trump was in the White House? And he looked at me and laughed and said, I'm sure glad he's there. But, wow, what, what, what a change. And I'm a young man. I think back to when my, my father was growing up in this country in the 1930s. Cars did not have keys. People never locked their doors because your neighbor might need something while you were out or out in the field and you couldn't, you couldn't loan it to them. And so people would had access to other people's homes. There, there was a community in this country that we know nothing of today. So should we get in a time machine and try to go back to the 1930s? Uh, no, God doesn't permit that. We have to live for Him today. And by the way, His rules haven't changed. Amen? God, in His ordering of the tabernacle, had requirements. And those requirements could not be violated. But I want to tell you that even though... Uh, you were born into the family of Aaron and you were a direct descendant of Aaron. That's only the beginning for the priesthood. Uh, if you look up the references that are in, in your outline here, you had to be physically without a handicap. If you had, uh, if you were born lame, if you were born, uh, with your arm paralyzed, it even said if you had a flat nose, um, he had one eyeball missing, whatever the physical deformity, we would call that a handicap. The Bible said that you could not serve as a priest. You still had a right to eat of the offerings, and we'll talk about that under privileges of the priesthood in a minute. But, but you could not offer and you could not serve as a priest without, uh, if you had some type of physical deformity that you were born with or, or happened to you uh, in this life. Uh, there was no one on crutches in the tabernacle or in the temple. You know what God wanted us to understand? Simply this, that in the spiritual world there are no such thing as birth defects. God does not give one person... I, I just detest this ideal among people, among Christians, and it has taken root, and, and you just cannot shake people loose from it. People say, oh, well, you're the pastor. You, you have a different set. Wrong. We're going to get to Revelation chapter 1 here, and it says, 
has made us, talking about every saved person, kings and priests unto our God. God does not have two levels of salvation. Many people believe that that was the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, that there was a difference between the clergy and the laity, or the preachers and the non the just the ordinary people. Now, I, I am so glad to tell you that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And every believer in Jesus gets the same salvation. We have different offices. What good would it do if I were the preacher and no one came to listen? You see, as a body, we have all different functions and we've got to work together. But we're all priests and we all have things to do. They tell us in the temple in Jesus' day that on Passover they would offer over a hundred thousand lambs in one day so people could celebrate the Passover. It was all supposed to be done on one day. Could you imagine that? The cutting of the throat, the gathering of the blood of a hundred thousand lambs and pouring it out at the altar. People say that the blood would seep through the paving stones of the temple and literally paint that side of the mountain on which Jerusalem was built red with the blood of those sacrifices. Tell you what, you do the math. There had to be hundreds and hundreds of lambs being sacrificed all at the same time. I mean, it it would have taken an organization Uh, far beyond Henry Ford's automated uh, uh, assembly line to, uh, to make this thing happen. And the priests and the Levites made it happen for the nation of Israel. Why? Because the Bible said so. They had to be ceremonially clean. If you had a rash and it was oozing any kind of anything, like a poison oak or poison ivy or you had a wound that would not heal, um, you had cold sore, uh, any of those things would make you unclean. You could not serve. So you had to be born into Aaron's family. You had to be without permanent physical disability. You had to be ceremonially clean. Then you had to be consecrated. Do you know how long it took a priest to be consecrated? Seven days living inside the court of the tabernacle. Seven days, sacrifices had to be offered. The blood of the sacrifice, the anointing oil was uh, put on their right earlobe. Yeah, I think that's the right one. And their right thumb and their big toe. The priest did not wear shoes. Uh, And the anointing oil was poured on their head and they had to operate as... Uh, a priest with all of those conditions. You know, I would ask you to stop and think. God does not require us to put on special robes. There are religions that do that. Uh, the Mormon church has made millions of dollars off of selling sacred uh, undergarments. Uh, I mean, it's a big thing, especially in Utah. 
aren't you glad you don't have to have special clothes? I met a Muslim man one time. He says, I never read the Quran without taking a complete bath. Yeah, and my first thought is, but you bring that dirty mind of yours right in there. You see, God doesn't want us to just be clean physically. Now, if you've got grease on your hands and dirt all over the place, wash your hands before you pick your Bible up. Amen. You don't need greasy thumbprints all through your Bible. I used to be an auto mechanic. I I know whereof I speak. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, I can read my Bible on my phone. I can pray to God at any time of the day or night. God wants my fellowship to be with Him, but He wants me to be clean in my heart. Amen. He wants me to understand that there is no spiritual reason for me to serve God less than any other Christian. There are no birth defects. There are no spiritual defects in your Christianity. God gives us all the same salvation. There are many verses in our Bible that testify to that. We'll keep moving on here. We need to be consecrated to that service. We'll read that in Hebrews chapter 10 in just a few minutes. But the other thing that the priest had to do was as he served in the tabernacle, he would constantly wash at the laver. The laver was made of solid brass. We've talked about this before. Brass is the symbol of judgment. You know what? We constantly have to keep ourselves in check. How many of you have ever spiritually wanted the wrong thing? Every hand should go up because we have. There is only one thing that will check the human soul, the human heart, will keep you in line, and that is the power of the Word of God. That's why Ephesians chapter 5 talks about the washing of the water of the Word. It's a picture of that labor, and that labor was made out of the looking glasses of the young ladies who would assemble at the door of the tabernacle. Obviously, there was a a purpose in assembling at the door of the tabernacle, uh, because that's where all the young men showed up, okay? Uh, And and so there was some... uh, uh, But they gave their looking glasses... And that labor would have been something to behold. It would have been bright, shiny brass. You would have looked into that water and you would have been able to see blood and dirt and other things on your hands, on your feet, and wash and stay clean as you served in the tabernacle. Do you realize God knows that we're going to sin? That's why the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and so on and so forth. But our sin that we are constantly confessing to God ought not be something that is done without the camp and in secret. It ought to be what we are doing to try to serve God. That's, that's the picture of the brazen labor that our life effort ought to be poured into our service for God. And, and so the, the uh, priest had all of these requirements just to do the service. 
then they had to offer the daily sacrifices. They had to order the tabernacle. They had to keep the fire going. Uh, they had to offer the sacrifices of the people. And when they were not serving in the tabernacle, at, at later as they lived dispersed throughout the land of Israel, the priests and the other Levites were supposed to know enough about this book called the Bible to act as a local judge and a decision maker and a teacher in the land of Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. The entire synagogue system that was in force in Jesus' day arose due to the fact that the children of Israel had spread themselves out so that they could not make it to the temple every uh, Sabbath day, and so they would do the teaching. But the Sabbath was never intended to be a day of worship. The Sabbath was a day of rest. Every day was intended to be a day of worship. That's something we got to get a hold of. Now, we need to talk about the privileges of the priesthood. Um, turn with me to uh, Numbers chapter 18, if you would. And, and I do hope that you'll... Uh, I have tried to get many of the references in here so that you can look these things up on your own in the outlines. But... Uh, Let's look at verse 19 of Numbers chapter 18. And all the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given thee, and thy sons and thy daughters with thee, by statute forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land. Neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part in thy inheritance among the children of Israel. Behold, I have given thee, I mean, given the children of Levi all the tenth of Israel for an inheritance for their service, which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And uh, let's uh, come down to verse 20. Um, nine, uh, it says, Out of all your gifts ye shall offer every heave offering of the Lord, of all the best thereof, even the hallowed part of it. Therefore thou shalt say unto thee, When ye have heaved the best thereof from it, then it shall be counted unto the Levites as the increase of the threshing floor and as the increase of the wine press. It says here, in verse 31, And ye shall eat it in every place, ye and your households, for it is your reward for your service in the tabernacle of the congregation. It ends with the challenge not to pollute. That's what uh, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, did, was they polluted the offerings of the Lord. They made men to abhor the offering of the Lord, and God judged them very severely, but... The Levites, the priests, they got the best of the children of Israel. The best of the food, the best of the harvest, the best of the flocks. 
they were approaching, the priests themselves approached directly to God. And how many of you remember, we, all, we include this in the Christmas story when we start there, we start with Zacharias. He was a priest. And what did the angel of the Lord say to him? He said, thy prayers are heard. You see, other people in this day, in the Old Testament... Do you remember Hannah? She brought her prayers to the tabernacle and she was praying and praying. And and when Eli realized his mistake and thinking that she was drunken and now knowing that she was just a woman of very sorrowful heart, he said, the Lord grant thee thy request. And she was no more sad. But Zacharias, you know what he was doing? He is carrying his own secret request that only he and Elizabeth knew about, into the temple to the very golden altar that was before the veil. God said, I heard your prayer. You think about that office of the priesthood. They stood between Israel and God. They had direct contact with God. I think of the story of the plague Uh, I think it's in the book of Numbers where the children of Israel were just falling down and Aaron took incense and he kept running into the crowd and stopping and people were still dying and finally he stood between the living and the dead. And God accepted his offering for the children of Israel and no more people died in the plague. The former chancellor of the college I went to Uh, I had the privilege of having him a few of the last years that he taught there at the school. And he said, the job of the preacher is that of Aaron. And it's holding the word of God between the living and the dead. What a beautiful picture. Terrifying picture. But that is the job of the priest, is it not? Direct access to God. And they had special rights in the land. They didn't have to raise their own food as all the rest of the children of Israel did. Their food was provided through their service in the tabernacle. They had no inheritance of land, but they had the inheritance of the best of the labors of the entire nation. It it was needless to say that many of these Levites and priests and were among the more wealthy of the children of Israel because of this that was given to them on a regular basis. Now we have just a few minutes and we want to make an application here. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. We've alluded to this verse. But the priesthood of the Old Testament is connected with our service to God. Here's what the Bible says, Revelation 1, 6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Turn over to chapter 5, if you would. And verse 10, uh, verse 9 gives us the context. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood 
out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Move over Nancy Pelosi. Amen? Uh, And uh, uh, Comrade Putin and all of the rest of them. There is going to come the day when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, rules this world from the city of peace. And we're going to be there. And we're going to serve him as kings and priests. God has given us that position. So guess what? I'm born into the right family. I'm born without defect. I have the right clothes. The clothing of of the Christian is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You cannot earn righteousness. You can't get it on your own. It has to be loaned to you by God until that day we stand before Him and receive the judgment, not for our sins, because Jesus took care of that on the cross, but for our service for Him. And who gave us the ability to serve Him? Uh, God did. You cannot beat this. There is no religion in the world that's as good as the Bible is. Man can't think it up that great. God gives us salvation free and clear because Jesus paid for it. Then God gives us through the Holy Spirit the ability to serve Him. Then God rewards us for that service and allows us to worship and glorify Him through eternity for what He did. But it's not passive. It's active. And see, that's what the priesthood teaches us. There is a place for each of us to serve. There are things for us to do. Our service is not the service of the high priest. Read the references that are in your outline. Jesus is the high priest. The work of the sprinkling of the blood of the mercy seat happened Resurrection Sunday morning. And it is ever new and never will be done again. He offered one sacrifice for sins forever. And all God's people said, We have the daily service. That brazen altar that was the first attention of the priest every morning and every and the last attention in the evening. Guess what? That's the death of myself, of yourself. If we could only learn to want what God wants. You think that's why he said in the prayer that he taught us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Because he wants us to want what he will do. Because no matter what God does, it's always best. Amen. The sacrifices we offer, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your what? Bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, people say, oh, you're crazy. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. 
And then you talk about giving that begins at 10%. This is crazy. Oh, no, it's reasonable because of what Jesus has done for us. We serve him his way in and through his church, which is his body, because we have direct access to God himself. Come boldly unto the throne of grace. That doesn't mean flippantly or with an attitude. I remember one Sunday morning when I was just a teenager getting ready for church and one of those, my mom used to tune in to those um, TV preachers. Uh, I think this one was Frederick K. Price, if anybody ever heard of him, but he was there. Yeah, I told God I want a new Lincoln Continental, and he didn't give it to me. So I, I told him a little louder the second time. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if my dad were still alive and I tried that with him, I'd only do that once. I wouldn't dare approach my father and say, Did you hear me? That never ever crossed my mind. I see the smiles of others who said, yeah, I had that kind of dad too. Uh, Why would we treat God like our servant? I call it slot machine Christianity. Because you put in so many prayers and pull the handle and hopefully you're going to get lucky. No, that's not the God of the Bible. He is the eternal God, the creator of everything that now is. And he has given me an opportunity by making me a priest, giving me direct access to God through the Holy Spirit that lives within me to approach his throne and pray. You know, I think of how many times I've asked this church since last September to pray for the Community Baptist Church that God would provide them a pastor. Uh, there's just a little part of me that's not entirely just jumping up and down for joy at God's answer. But I'm surrendered to God's answer. How about you? Because His church is important. Every once in a while, I'll wake up in the morning and all kinds of things that I didn't even know I had start hurting. How many of you have gotten old enough to remember to know about that? And then I think, you know, I probably messed that up working over at Union. I don't blame that on Brother Mike. No, 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 wait a minute. That was reasonable service. You see, our service for God is not passive. I don't just sit around and wait for God to bless me. He's got work for me to do. If you, if you work a regular secular job, you need to maintain a good testimony for Jesus Christ. That's part of your priesthood. That gives you the right to give a testimony to how good God is. How many of you have ever met someone? I mean, I remember uh, going street preaching one time and some guy just started, he saw us out there, we were set up and painting and and he goes over to a corner opposite and just starts screaming, Believe on Jesus! And obviously the guy, if he had a shower, he hadn't used it in months. 
And his language wasn't even clean. Neither was he. And, and I said, do you really care about Jesus? He said, oh, yes, I do. I said, well, then, would you mind being quiet so that we could actually witness to people instead of running everybody away? No, I'm doing the work of God. I wanted to tell him, yes, you are, but it's little g, little o, little d. Because you're hindering the true going out of the gospel. And we have a world full of that. You see, no one wants to think that they're serving the devil now, do they? No one in their right mind. We, we do have our share of people who aren't. You know, would you go to church if over the church it said, we believe about 10% of the Bible, the rest of it we don't think is very important. Well, that's what you're getting in most Protestant churches. You go to a Catholic or Orthodox church, I, I think it goes down a little bit from there. There's just not much Bible. It's all tradition. You see, the priests have a job to serve God God's way. That's what gives us access to the very ear of Almighty God. Jesus said, pray, ask the Father in my name, ask that ye may receive that your joy might be full. God has a promise. We just went over this verse, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Read the context of that verse. God will give you everything you need to serve him. That's what it's talking about. Now, I want you to turn with me to one passage very quickly, and we'll be done. Uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And we're going to start here in verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. I mean, the rich young ruler, Jesus had just told him, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. And he left because he wasn't going to do that. So Peter speaks up and he says, well, Lord, we've already done that. Uh, uh, What's in it for us? I mean, Peter did not have the most spiritual mind at all times, did he? Well, here's what Jesus said. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. We have the promise of God's supply. We have the promise of God's blessing and the promise of eternal life. Now, don't take these verses out of context. Jesus isn't saying you're going to be rich. Read Romans chapter 8. It says, of whom the world was not worthy. But uh, uh, and, and Hebrews chapter 11, uh, those are not all flattering details about the love of God. Amen? 
But if you are totally enthralled by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will not matter where you are or what you're doing. Paul said, I've lost everything. And I'm not worried about it. In fact, I am so glad to be rid of it. Read Philippians 3, verse 8. He explains that on no uncertain terms. Even a child can understand what Paul was saying. That he detested everything that he lost for Christ. Always get nervous when someone gives a testimony. Yeah, I was a successful businessman and I gave it all up to serve Christ and become a preacher. Whatever the case may be. That bothers me. You know, I'm glad that I gave my life to the Lord when I was 16 and I never did find out what I might could have done in the world. Because there'd be a part of me that'd still be hanging on to it. You know what? I I don't have anything to hang on to. Someone said, what have you done with your life? Start a church. That's what I've done. I've helped a few other people along the way. Praise the Lord. And our church is doing some things for the Lord. That's that's what we're talking about here. Being a priest. Doing and fulfilling my duty. Serving the Lord. And all God's people said. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us understand this priesthood. There is work for us to do. So much work. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us grace and wisdom to see the things that we can do, to leave the things that we should leave alone, leave them in your hands and let you carry those burdens. Lord, that you would give us your joy and the the thrill of being able to pray and talk directly to God. Lord, help us understand the great things that you have called us to, the great responsibilities You have laid upon our shoulders in the great enabling to do far above anything we could ever imagine. Work in our hearts, Lord, that we may be worthy of the office to which you have called each one of us here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll have the piano begin. If you need to just slip out, spend a few moments at the altar. It is open.